If you were to pick, say, an oral-only bulking cycle and an oral-only cutting cycle for somebody who's never done anything before, maybe they're on TRT, maybe they're not, what would those compounds be? What's up, guys? Welcome back to Drugs and Stuff with Dave Crossland. I'm Scott McNally. All of our programming is brought to you by you guys, the people at Patreon. Thank you for helping make this show happen. We are brought to you by evalbloodanalysis.com. You can go there, get your lab work done by Dave if you're in the UK. Of course, all of our programming is brought to you by truenutrition.com and use our code THINK for additional savings. High quality third-party tested supplements from a company you can trust. Hit me up if you have any questions. If you're in the UK, Check out Strom Sports Nutrition. I put out a call the other day and I said, hey guys, tell me about your experience with Strom. I got a lot of really good feedback. If you guys have any questions about them, hit Dave or I up. And of course, if you're in Canada, go to supplementsource.ca. Great deals that change week to week. Today, we're going to talk about oral-only cycles. Plus, we're going to tackle your listener questions. Uh, feel free to comment with your questions. We take all of our questions off of YouTube so you can help us with the next show. Uh, and if you're new here, let me encourage you to subscribe and hit the bell because we have a lot of content constantly coming out. Dave, we got that going on. I know you just got back from your expo. Um I got a bunch of stuff, or we have a bunch of stuff we're going to talk about through the show, including I have a surprise sitting next to me here that I want to show you on the air. Um, but before we do, let's just tackle our topic first, uh, oral-only cycles. This is a question that we get all the time. Oftentimes, it's by newer guys who just want to dip their toes in. Uh, what are our thoughts? Do you think that it's worth it? I think with oral only site, yes, um, they are. Uh, I mean, in relation to doing nothing at all, yes, you're going to have some impact from them. They are for many a stepping stone, but for some people, they are as far as they'll go because one, they don't want to inject, or two, the environment they're in makes it impossible to inject. You know, I mean, they might still be living at home with parents and that sort of thing, or be very uh, secretive about their uses, which enable, doesn't enable them to have injection equipment, etc. Yeah, You've got to be a little bit careful. If you use a non-aromatizing compound, because orals do suppress, and if you use a non-aromatizing compound, then eventually you're going to run out of estrogen. So mm. a DHT like Anavar, um, or even a non-aromatizing test base like T-Bone, would uh, end up with you having low estrogen, which wouldn't be productive to growth. But an aromaton compound like D-Bol would allow a much longer cycle as oral only. Yeah. The 17 alkylated, so they are going to stress the liver. That's unavoidable. That's what they will do. Some are a little bit harsher on the liver than others. Um, but in general, as long as you're not an idiot, they are relatively well tolerated. They can upset appetite. They can upset the stomach. And obviously, there's no point being on a drug if you can't eat. Um, yeah. Oxymethylone has a particularly bad reputation for destroying people's appetites. Um, but they, they all have the potential to do it. Yeah. You know what I happen to just think of? So back in the day when we used to say oral only cycles we were thinking about you know obviously that's it just this oral compound nowadays 
everybody seems to be on TRT. I almost feel like that's a different ball game, isn't it? If a guy, because we, you know what I noticed? We have so many people, they don't want to commit to doing a big bodybuilding cycle or so they think in their mind. And so instead they say, hey, I just want to throw a little something in, get a little bit of an edge, a TRT plus, if you will. Um, where do we stand there as far as orals go? I almost feel like that's cost to benefit. You, you've you got your test supplied then, right? So you could use a non-aromatizing compound. No problem then, right? Yeah, if it's combined with... T- I mean, I don't... There are people that will say, oh, you have to use tests with an oral. I completely disagree with that. You can get away with a non-aromatizing compound for six to eight weeks generally quite well. Um, but if you're using it on top of a test base, then obviously that does open up the period of time at which you could run a, a non-aromatizing drug, definitely. Yeah. However, you've also got to remember that DHTs, even oral forms, are anti-estrogenic, so you still have to keep an eye on that and make sure it isn't getting too low. It can still be an issue, but it shouldn't be a major one. Have you done oral only? Cycles? Mm-hmm. Steroids? You know, I don't think I ever did. I think I just went straight into injectables. I don't think I ever bothered. I've, I've run orals, obviously, in cycles, but I don't sure. think I've done an oral only, no. I did plenty one time. of clients do it. Yeah. I did mm. one time. I did uh, Winstrel. It, it, it wasn't by design. It was very early on, and, and and I just, that's what I happened to have. And I think I ran it for about four weeks, and after about that four-week period of time, it was well before we ever did regular lab work. Um, I would at that time the only way I would have known how to do labs would have been to go and ask my doctor. And once he saw, you know, my liver values from using an oral, he would have he would have been concerned because I didn't tell him at the time. But I I remember about four weeks in, I think I was dealing with low estrogen on I believe fifty milligrams of Winstrel a day. Uh, I I remember feeling strong yet demotivated. You know, mm-hmm. and, and my mood was getting just lower and, and flat feeling. It wasn't a good feeling overall. Yeah, I mean, there's there's, there's loads of sides from low estrogen that to joint issues, yes. to libido issues, to eyesight issues. The the range can really vary, um, but most people will feel it emotionally before anything else. Yeah. Yeah, I would say that. Oh, in my first cycle, I'm sorry, my first cycle was D-Ball only, 15 milligrams for, I believe, four weeks. I had 100 tabs, and I just figured, okay, I can do, if I do, you know, f- there were five milligram tabs, the Romanian Napasin D-Ball, and I was like, yeah, you know what, I can split this up four weeks, and I, I mean, I gained off of it, you know, I gained a lot of water, and then I kept like half of that after I came off. In fact, my biggest fear was knowing that, you could lose everything you gain, right? So I was very meticulous with my diet. And then I was just stubborn, you know, to a T with my diet afterward because I wanted to prove to myself that like, I'm not going to lose any progress I made. And heck, I I probably gained a good, like at least five pounds of real muscle (laughs) in that period of time, I think. Five, four weeks, it's it's decent gains. Like I said, they're... They're relative, you know, in where you are as to how effective they are. But, sure. but to say that they don't have a place as oral only is bollocks. They definitely do. And for some people, it, it is a very convenient source. Yeah. Um, I mean, obviously, you do have to be conscious of the liver stress. And, and though the liver will happily cope with a 8-10 week oral cycle for most situations, you know, you start hammering them 20, 30, 40 weeks and, and you're going to start 
getting issues. So it's like anything, isn't it? You've just got to be aware of its its negatives and be sensible with the management of that. Yeah, yeah, and I think too, it maybe if you want to dip your toes in that way, you maybe do so with the understanding that hey, after this, if I want to continue doing this, I'm probably going to have to step it up. Uh, I, I wouldn't think that somebody who wanted to continually cycle on and off. 10 years down the road, if all you did was oral cycles, and those cycles are only going to get bigger and longer as you go, the likelihood of health issues, I'm guessing, would probably be higher. If we just compared, say, injectable test to really any of the orals, I feel like doing long term, you're probably going to have more health risks with a higher dose oral cycle, you know? Yeah, I mean... As a as a delivery system for anabolics from a purely chemical point of view, it's shit. It's probably the, well, it's one of the worst ways you can deliver the anabolics into your system. Yeah, you know, injectable is much more efficient, but there are obviously conveniences around using tablets only, and there are environments where tablet only are useful. There's lots of guys work offshore, for example, um, yeah. and they'll take tablets to use while they're offshore. Um, you know, and, and people that have situations, like I said, where they're, they're in a shared accommodation or they're living with parents and they don't want to disclose what they're doing, or they just have a fear of needles. But yeah, I mean, it's not the most efficient way to deliver the drug into the body. And it's definitely not the healthiest way to deliver the drug into the body. Uh, but that doesn't mean it isn't without merit. It just means that, you know, if you, if you want a long term with this shit, you're, you're going to have to look at alternatives eventually. Yeah. I've seen a lot of guys that um, are on TRT. They do lab work a couple times a year, maybe every few months with their doctors. They don't necessarily want to tell their doctors what they're doing. I think an oral is a, I've seen it as a, a quick way to mm-hmm. be able to get a cycle in because it's one of the things of orals is we're not waiting on long esters to build up. You know, it's it's going to hit a lot faster in most cases, right? So mm. you could run a quick little cycle, be in, be out, and then take another couple months to recover and do your, you know, do your labs again. Liver should be good. Cholesterol's back to normal. Everything's hunky-dory, you know? Yeah, no, I agree. Yeah, they definitely have a place. Yeah. I All think right. they get shit, shit on by a lot of people, and I think it's invalid. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I could, I could see that. If you were to pick say an oral only bulking cycle and an oral only cutting cycle for somebody who's never done anything before maybe they're on trt maybe they're not what would those compounds be if you were to pick one for cutting one for bulking bulking i would say debo uh with the potential of oxymethylone but obviously there is a caveat of stomach and appetite there yeah Caught either Winstrel or Var. Yeah. I could agree with that. I could also see Anavar for the growth cycle. I'm I'm thinking to myself, this guy's never taken anything before, right? He's going to be well, probably I mean, really responsive. Yeah, any na- any natural going into a first cycle, I mean, they're going to grow on pretty much any anabolic if it's genuinely an anabolic. So, I mean, T-ball, I really rate as a compound, but I wouldn't say it's particularly bulk or cut, but it's a very good compound, particularly for performance. Yeah. Um, which is why it was a favorite of the East Germans. Um, you know, Oxy's a good strength drug. It's a good size drug, but I'd... 
probably well over 50% of people that use Oxy struggle with appetite and stomach problems because of it. So it has a limited use in that sense. Yeah. Uh, Far is generally well tolerated and probably much better tolerated than Winstrel. The the anti estrogenic but also the anti-progesteronic action at Winstrel can make it problematic for a lot of people. Sure. Um, but it's it's still a good, solid, effective compound. Yeah. Um, I mean, the only real oral anabolic that's not worth a bag of shit is Proviron. And people may <laughs> yeah. not actually realize Proviron is actually an anabolic steroid. Yeah. It's just it, it gets uh, metabolized by before it will within muscle tissue, so it never really does any impact to the muscle androgen receptor. It may be a PED in other departments of life, Dave, but maybe not for muscle growth in bodybuilding. Yeah, but it, it is technically an anabolic steroid. It is an oral steroid. I think a lot of people don't realize that and think it's an anti-estrogen or it's this or anyway. It is actually a steroid. It's just a, very, a bit of an odd one. <laughs> maybe it's just me. Maybe it was me being cheap and not having a lot of money to spend on gear, but I used to know guys that wanted to run 50 or 100 milligrams of Proviron in their cycles for a cut and my thought was like man uh that's a lot when these tablets are so expensive why don't i just run master on instead you know i've always just gone with mast and been like hey i'll get a few shots in each week of that and it's going to be a lot cheaper than trying to take four pills a day of proviron when they're i can't remember the price but it, it they were astronomical at least for for where i am i think a lot of people look at proviron because of its effect on lowering shbg but what I can tell you from seeing a lot of blood work yeah. is most people on any form of cycle will have an SHBG of somewhere between 8 and 12. Okay. So it's low. Um, even TRT will normally see sort of 12 to 20. So again, low. When you add Proviron into that mix, really all you're doing is moving that to 4 to 8. So it's not a it's not a huge impact on those numbers for the implication of that extra drug. Yeah, and I, I, I don't dispute that low SHBG has its advantages. I've got no argument with that. But what I do have an argument with is I don't see the use of Proviron in order to low SHBG being a useful addition to a cycle. I think it's a, basically a very way, an easy way to just spend money you don't need to spend. Can we get that with other DHT compounds? Yeah, mast uh, in go. particular, primo to an extent as well. Yeah, even Winston. Yeah, yeah, they do. They all bind with SHBG in the same way as, as um, Proviron does. Obviously, Proviron has a strong affinity to it, but all the DHTs have a have a inclination to bind with SHBG. But I say all anabolics low SHBG anyway. Test yeah. does it. You know, it's not exclusive. Test low as SHBG. So. I've I've never seen this. I've never understood this drive for. Oh, I must take Proviron to lower SHBG, and it's like, well, it's low anyway. Yeah. You know what? What's where's your advantage here? All right. Well, listen, we've got a bunch of listener questions, Dave, and there's been something I've been meaning to show you for quite some time. So before we get to our listener questions, I've got something I want to show you. It's right here next to my desk, and check this out. Guys, would you, you finally, finally framed it, you cheap <laughs> ass bastard? It took you a year. It took me two years, maybe. But I, I wanted to make sure I got, you know, I wanted to do it right. So I got this hand cut mat, um, and it's an acid free mat. Guys, if you didn't know, Dave's an artist. All right. Dave, this is a print 
of one of Dave's drawings. How big is the original of this one, this same, rhino? Same size, same size as you've got, Matt. Okay, so it's it's a a one to one. Man, the detail yeah. in this guy is freaking amazing. You know, this is really cool. So. I wanted. To, I've been waiting. I've, I keep forgetting. Like every episode, it's been framed for a couple months now, uh, but I, I have it here framed up for the office now. And initially, man, I usually go with like real, like plain colors, like a white mat. But I thought the gray looked good. It really helps to bring like the rhino out and the black, the black bevel on the mat frames it in nicely. So thank yeah, you very much. I really appreciate it's, this. It's it's a pleasure, sir. I'm glad you enjoyed it. I got to see some of Dave's originals too. He's got them all up around his house and stuff. These are uh, how I know that you didn't do this like straight. You didn't sit there and do it from start to finish. But how long was the process to 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 draw the rhino? I think that would have probably been about sixty to eighty hours. 60 You're kidding hours, me? Somewhere around there, yeah. Yeah, guys, you can't really see it from here, but the level of detail in this guy is freaking awesome there's just there's so much detail even like i love right here the way he transitions from the skin to the horn I, i'm not going the right direction with my hand the skin to the horn and the just the textures in between so anyway i wanted to share that and uh you occasionally do make prints to sell don't you I, I can make prints to sell at any time, yeah. I haven't oh. I haven't advertised it for quite a while. I haven't done any drawing for an even longer period of time, to be fair. But, uh, yes, I can. Uh, and I do. So, but I don't do commissions. I'm sorry. It's nothing <laughs> personal. I just don't have the time. You don't have 80 and hours I, to put into a picture of me and uh, my dog together or something? <laughs> well, the thing is, I draw what I enjoy. And I don't <laughs> want to create... No, I don't want to create something that's a hobby that's enjoyable into a job that then becomes a chore. Yeah. So I've always avoided doing commissions because then it becomes a job, then it becomes a chore. And I don't want to lose the enjoyment I get of being able to just draw yeah. at my own pace when I feel... I mean, some drawings I'll do, you know, I might do every day for a week and then not touch it for two months. Yeah. So I like that ability to be able to come and go as I please with it and that way I keep it enjoyable and I enjoy what I do and if I'm starting to go well I've got to do it because this person wants it or whatever it may be then it just becomes a chore and I don't enjoy it yeah no I, I can totally understand that so anyway I wanted to mention that and I also wanted to mention um, congratulations and shout out to uh, Jamie the Giant um, who is he's a sponsored athlete by Eval Blood Analysis too isn't he he is a mutant yeah, and of course, mutant. Um, and uh, he just got a really cool job. What's he doing? So I believe you've had the same TV series as well, Gladiators. Yes, we call it American Gladiators. I imagine yeah. you guys don't call it that. I I don't know <laughs> if it started here and then traveled to you, or if it started with you and then traveled to us. I mean, the original was decades ago. Yeah. Well, they're redoing it, uh, and Jamie's won the role of one of the gladiators. No surprise, he's going to be called Giant. Um, and I believe he's actually in London today to start filming. That's so cool, man. That's so cool. He's so, a great fit for that, too, because he's like he's a handsome guy. He has an athletic-looking physique. Um, he, you know, he's, he's, he's in a really good spot for that. He was telling us while we were in uh, Germany about the, his training, that he was doing like more cardio-based training um, and really trying to get the cardio up. That's where he needed to try to work on. You know, obviously, he didn't need more mass to get the role, right? 
Well, if anything, he's lost mass. I think he's he. I think he's sub sub three hundred now. So I think he's down to about two ninety, two eighty, somewhere around there. He was saying. Yeah, yeah. Um, but he looks well. He looked really well at the weekend, and I know he was in Sheffield at the weekend doing some training from a point of view of the event training. Oh, okay. Um, um, and I believe now he's travelled to. Like I said, I think it's today. He's gone to London. He did send me the filming dates, actually, so I need to get back to him because he's offered tickets to go and watch him live. Ah, oh, sweet, man. That would be fun. I'll, I'll have to get some tomatoes and eggs and things just to throw. <laughs> uh, we did get a question here before we move on to our listener questions. Matt Blevins said, um, if Dave would ever do one of Christmas Cabbage, I'd call dibs on the first print. <laughs> <laughs> No comment on that one, huh? Hey guys, here's a video of Victoria refilling our glass collagen jar that we keep next to our coffee maker. We add a scoop to our coffee each day. It's 29 grams of protein, plus collagen is great for your connective tissue. This is hydrolyzed beef collagen from True Nutrition. Use our code THINK for additional savings. <laughs> All right, we're going to go to our questions here. Um, Joe had asked us, he says, um, I've gotten on really well with Deca uh, a few years back. He grew really well, no physical sides, but the mental sides looking back now with anxiety and depression were pretty bad. I really want to give it a go again, but I'm worried about the mental sides. Are there any recommendations in combating this? Um, would it be a case of build it up at a low dose and see at what level the sides begin to affect you? Only ever run 400 milligrams previously with 600 tests at the time, and this was five years ago now. What's your advice to him? I find it's difficult because there's so many variables here in that a lot of people, when they do a test in DECA cycle, they fail to manage their estrogen correctly because they forget that DECA does actually aromatize. Hmm. So that can be a problem. The level of DHN can be a problem, but what I have found anecdotally is that when people actually push the DECA dose higher, a lot of the sides seem to subside. Hmm. But there are obviously issues with DECA and dopamine. Um, so the dopamine side of things should really affect you in a way where you don't feel rewarded or satisfied with things. Yeah, everything Everything feels a little bit disappointing i think it's probably the best way of putting it um i wouldn't generally associate deca with anxiety as such but that's not to say that some people don't suffer with that um i mean some people suffer with anxiety of any anabolic whatever sure um i'm not really aware of anything you could i mean there's loads of supplements you can take you can run p5p or even cable though it is a bit of a sledgehammer uh, you know, you can run things like um, HTTP and stuff like that to try and offset any impact in those areas and, and melatonin and all the rest of it. But I'm not sure there's there's really anything specific in regards to DECA apart from making sure your estrogen management is on point. Uh, well, actually, your hormone management full stop is on point, so not just estrogen but prolactin as well. Hmm, yeah. Uh, apart from that, I don't think there's anything that really is specific to offset issues with DECA. 
But I have found that people that would say they struggle with sides at, say, 300 milligrams, and they've done the traditional sort of high-test, medium DECA approach, that actually when you push the DECA high and bring the test down, they get much less issues. Yeah. So it, it's definitely that. worth considering a higher dose, uh, which I know seems a little bit counterintuitive. I'm not particularly meaning a higher dose as in total dose of anabolics, but a higher dose of DECA and potentially lowering your test for another compound to compensate so your total dose has not gone through the roof. Hmm. Um, unfortunately, with a lot of this, the only way you're going to know is is to try it and see. Yeah. Which isn't great. I get that. Um, you could obviously go MPP. So if there are any issues, you can remove them quite well. I find that people that do struggle with nandrolone at a, a lower dose that combining it with test and mass does seem to help a lot of people so having a dht in there does seem to offset quite a bit as well yeah but not everybody i mean i i've i've got a um a client who test mass and decker had loads of problems with it uh but when we just did decker and took it quite high dose he was much 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 better much okay. better and it surprised me because I was getting to the point where I was going to say, look, I just don't think anabolics are for you. No kidding. Um, and now he's doing all right with it. And now he's doing all right with it, yeah. So uh, it is, also, you know, the, how the drugs work is pretty standard. There isn't, a drug's not going to have a, a, a different reaction in you in the sense of what it does. What varies is your sensitivity to those actions. I would agree with that. that and, and that can vary significantly. So Decker in me does the same thing as it does in you, does the same thing as it does in Christmas Cabbage, Matt Blevins, or anyone else for that matter. What varies is our individual sensitivity to those variations. Yeah. Whereas some of us can tolerate very high issue with no problems at all. Other people can't. So there's that. that's where the issues are. It's not what the drug does. It's how sensitive you are to those effects that's the problem. Yeah. Yeah, I, I'll take a, just a slightly different route and say that, um, you know, well, it, it, I found personally that DECO, I decided really wasn't my go-to compound. I found that I like DQ better. And I and because I had a good experience with it, then I leaned into the EQ. And I think that sometimes we can get obsessed with the idea of well i need to take deca because or i need to take x compound because it's mm -hmm. the best compound for my goal it might not mm -hmm. be the best compound for you i'm not saying you can't figure out a way to manage it and i agree with you dave there could be a there could be some things to do in there with how we manage estrogen you know maybe he's got a sensitivity to progesterone who knows but whatever the case um, there are other options. You don't necessarily need to just, you know, use use DECA. So I would rather take the things that work, lean into them versus, because here's what we want. <coughs> a successful cycle is going to be one that doesn't have speed bumps, that doesn't, we don't yeah. have to stop. We don't have to reduce the dose. We don't have to play around with things. I would rather get on the things that work for you and then put our focus into the diet and training so that we can make the most out of the cycle versus trying to contend with potential issues and playing with doses and all of that. The quicker you can get to figuring out what works for you, the better. Yeah, and I mean, I don't feel that there are compounds that lend themselves theoretically um, to diets or to growth or to whatever it may be. 
But at the end of the day, if you don't get on with that compound and it makes you feel like shit or it makes your life a living hell, then it's it's stupid. You know, just don't go there. You may have to take a slightly different route. It might mean a slightly longer route, but it's going to be a better route all round if you're enjoying the process much, much more. Skip and Andrew and I all individually concluded our favorite cycle. It turned out to all be the same thing, that we we all found that test with higher EQ plus some NPP was all three of us were like, that's our favorite growth cycle. That's that's what I liked personally. And speaking of NPP, you mentioned that. Have you noticed that people who struggle with side effects from DECA tend to not have as much uh, side effects from NPP a lot of times? Yes. Yeah, me too. Um, and I suspect it's because the total dosing with, the, with DECA will be much, much higher. Yeah, that's possible. Easily possible. Because of the accumulation effect, whereas MPP doesn't have the same accumulation because of such much shorter half-life. And it's going to be 100 milligrams versus 200 or 300 per milliliter. So you're probably not taking yeah. quite as much. I mean, you know, a, a, a high MPP cycle would be 600 milligrams a week. And, and yeah. most people would, would struggle at that. Uh, whereas the equivalent blood plasma level you'd get from... 350 400 milligrams a decker a week all right what else do we got which here, would Dave? be regarded as a very low decker cycle um what's this one uh we'll come back to that guy we'll go you're not here. very prepared are you scott really i'm always prepared you've had two weeks for this shit <laughs> oi the show is back happy days question for the next episode i'm on trt only but my prolactin is high, 380. My cortisol is 540, and progesterone is 1.3. They are also high. What can be the issue and solution? I'm based in the UK, so these are UK numbers. Thanks. Right. Firstly, your prolactin isn't, sorry, your, your prolactin isn't particularly high. Yes, it is elevated out of range, but it's not particularly high, and it's high because of your cortisol. Really? So, yeah, high cortisol increases prolactin. Stress increases prolactin. Hmm, no kidding. Um, now, one of the issues potentially with TRT is that if your estrogen is too low, then that will push progesterone up because progesterone will seesaw with estrogen a little bit. There's not a lot we can do about progesterone. Um, it's not an easy drug that we can sort of really change, particularly in a TRT protocol. Yeah. So generally, it is just ignored. But a 380 prolactin is not particularly elevated. It is above range. Uh, but that is, I would suspect, more than anything coming from your cortisol. Get your cortisol back in control. So lower your stress inputs. And you should find your prolactin will drop back into range nicely. Jason Franklin has one for us from Patreon. He says, question for Sir David Stanley Crossland. I love that everybody so, knows your middle name. <laughs> I see this gentleman knows how to refer to somebody. Sir. David sir. Yes. Um, if you had to choose between the two, a gram of test with 50 ox hair or a gram of test in DECA, which would you choose for an off season? So does he mean a gram oh. of test and a gram of DECA? 
I'm not sure. I don't think so. I think he means a total, total. gram of Test and Decker against a total gram of just Test, but with Oxen. I gotcha. I gotcha. That's a good question then. Yeah, what do you think's better? You go Decker? Test and Decker. Yeah. Why not go all three? That's my question. Well, yeah, let's do a gram of Test and Decker with Oxy then. <laughs> yeah. Cooking with gas there. Uh, no, I mean, I, I, I think... If I was to look at all potential problems, sidelines, issues related, I would probably say that the, the test of Decker would be the easiest of the two. The, the biggest issue from the Oxy, apart from blood thinning, would be appetite suppression. Okay. Um, and it all depends on how good you are at force feeding as to how impacting that is on your progress. Ooh, Alfonso's with us. He has a question about red meat. He says, great show, guys. What are your thoughts on red meat versus chicken? My wife wants me to watch my red meat intake, but I buy grass-fed lean 93.7 meat. I think the red meat is a better choice. My H my LDL number has always been high, but my HDL is also high. I say it's all genetics, but she is also my doctor. Hoo-hoo. Got to listen to your doctor, right? And your doctor's your wife? That's an interesting... Oh, yeah. Set up. And you're her lawyer, because we know that he, if she got in legal trouble, we know that yeah. Alfonso's defending her, right? <laughs> Good team. Mate, he says, I know that mate, TRT... You, you is... Just do as she says. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he says, I know the TRT uh, raises it, but uh, I don't think red meat versus chicken will really change much. I try to eat meat, poultry, and fish in equal amounts. We know that Alfonso is a healthy... You know, he, he does focus on a healthy diet. He's not eating junk. Uh, I would have said lowering the red meat will have some impact, definitely. Um, though you do sound to be going for very high-quality foods. If you move to, shall we argue and say, pes pescatarian, whole fish, mm. then you would definitely see your cholesterol markers improve. So there's no denying that the red meat is having some impact. Yeah. Um, I mean, it doesn't say to what extent the red meat intake is, but... You could, from a point of view of bodybuilding, I would say, you know, I wouldn't take red meat out of a diet completely if you can avoid not doing, but uh, dropping down to, say, only three portions a week, I definitely don't think would harm anything. Yeah. And then you could always test, right? You could uh, you could listen to her, take it out, go no red meat for 12 weeks, get your labs done, but don't tell her. And then if you see no changes, then you tell her and you say, I told you so. And if you do see changes, you shut the fuck up and say yeah, nothing. Just don't say anything. Because you, you know what, what that lecture. <laughs> I told you to stop the red meat. I was right on that. So. Um, question for the drugs and stuff with Dave. Oh, he says, I get way more sick lately. The last 1.5 years, especially mostly respiratory stuff, uh, viruses, cold, flu, etc., Currently caught a pretty bad one, and I hate it. We all hate it, man. In your experience, do you see bodybuilders have a weaker immune system? What would be recommendations to strengthen it? Lifestyle, nutrition, maybe supplementation. Bonus question for Dave. What should I include in my blood test if I want to see my immune system is good or weak? Right, so I'll start with the second half. So your full blood count, which is pretty standard to almost all blood tests is what would indicate your white cell and your various types of white cell responses. 
it's not necessarily going to show you if you have a weak immune system, but it will show you what your immune system response is currently doing. Um, it will show you issues with your immune system if they are significantly lowered. Yeah. Or significantly elevated. But a lot for immune is diet. It is vitamin intake. It is mineral and, and, and you know nutrient intake. So a lot of immune is diet. However, anabolics do tend to lower, in particular, neutrophils. So it's not so much that they weaken the immune system. It's that they give the immune system something to deal with. And your immune system is not the best at multitasking. So if it's focused on one element that's tying up its resources, it has less resources to deal with other elements. Yeah. And as a result, that can mean you are more susceptible to exposure to viruses and stuff, actually recreating problems because your immune system isn't able to repel them as efficiently because it's already dealing with something. So effectively, you're tying one arm of your immune system behind your back. And it's only got one arm free to deal with whatever life throws at it. Yeah. Um, I can't remember who it was, but there was someone. It could be Borison. It could be Duchesne. He, I think it was Borison, but it may have come from Duchesne, where he used to recommend doing an antiviral medication. Oh, really? And even an antibiotic medication prior to starting a cycle. Wow. And his logic was this, that a lot of people... Uh, their immune systems are constantly fighting off what we become exposed to. Mm -hmm. So every day we live through life, we come in contact with germs, we come in contact with contaminants, we come in contact with viruses and bacteria, but we don't get ill because our immune system deals with this. His argument was that you took a course in medication before you started the cycle to make sure any viruses that were currently present in the body or any infections that were currently present in the body that may be managed by your immune system at this point, so you weren't symptomatic of them, could be completely eliminated because his argument was a lot of people start cycle and feel ill very quickly, have to start in cycle, and it's to do with this immune overload. They're already dealing with a problem, and then you dump steroids on top of it, and it just becomes an overload for its caping, coping capabilities. Yeah. So... Yes, it could be that your immune system is a little bit compromised from the point of view that you're tied up. But to address your immune system, you're really looking at your vitamin intake, your nutrition, plenty of greens. Vit D needs to be nice and high. Vit C needs to be at a decent level. Uh, and this is one of the reasons why not only do we suffer with colds and flus in the winter months because the viruses are more present because it's colder, but also because our VD levels are low because we've got less sunlight exposure. Absolutely. So therefore our immune system isn't working as efficiently. Absolutely. And one thing, one thing I notice with bloods is that though most people's vitamin D is in range, it's very typical of being low end at the first half of the first third of the year because people all have low vitamin D over the winter period because they've, they've not kept up to supplementation and they've not been getting the sunlight exposure that they require. Also, um, anabolic, anabolics deplete our vitamin D levels. They do, I, yes. I use 10,000 plus K to stay in like the average normal range. 
And mm-hmm. it wasn't until post-contest when I discovered that a few years back and I was experiencing extreme fatigue and I thought I had like screwed up my thyroid or something and finally went in, got it tested, thyroid was fine, couldn't figure it out. And then when I started vitamin D supplementation, instantly that fatigue was gone. So now I'm actually taking more. I have kind of a special circumstance with autoimmune stuff after having gotten the bug. But I, I run much higher. Um, it's interesting talking to Dr. Eric Serrano and listening to him speak at Swiss last year. He has people taking super high doses. You know, it used to be thought we were, we were worried about uh, vitamin D toxicity. And he had a guy who, get this, he didn't want to use any supplements. He, they got a sun lamp. And he had him sit in front of this, this sunlight. Um, I can't remember how much, how often, but he did it religiously for a long period of time. When they tested him, his vitamin D was high, out of range. But his symptoms, his fatigue, all that stuff was gone. And he concluded, he was like, well, if it was so toxic, why would our bodies produce this much? And this is what it's taken him to feel okay. So I'm not advocating that anybody else runs high vitamin D out of range. Um, but I found it to be helpful for me. And the way I did it was increasing by 5,000 every couple of weeks. And I'm at about 35,000 now, and I've been there for a while. And it does make a difference for me. So anyway, I'd throw that at him. Um, NAC is another good one. You mentioned vitamin C, but we have to be careful with C too. I'm scared of it because it'll also um, help iron right? To produce more red blood, which can be an issue. So I, I don't go crazy with the vitamin C. No, um, I was, I would be a gram. One yeah. gram liposomal, that'll be plenty. I wouldn't do any more than that. Yeah, I agree. Like one to two is where I'd go. And I'd still watch, you know, red blood on that. Um, and, and there's some other supplements you could do too. But I think a real big one is making sure that you get the proper amount of rest and recovery and sleep. You know, I got a, I, I got this Apple Watch, uh, and the reason I got it is so I can get better at tracking my sleep and tracking my recovery and my HRV and all that stuff. I just want to be more mindful and aware of how my system works so that I can try to function at my best. But really, it does make a difference getting like high-quality sleep. Uh, melatonin, that's another really great one. I'm on 20 milligrams of that a night, which is considered to be high, but people go a lot higher than that, and that's a great antioxidant too. So anyway... I could go off on that one, Dave. <laughs> oh, here's a fun yeah. off-topic question, Dave. What's your ancestry? And by the way, you look leaner. This is from look at the look at the name of this guy's profile, Dave Crossland's personal stalker, and he's got a picture of Christmas cabbage. Why do I think you've got a hand in this? I swear to God, I don't know this guy, but he knows I, you. In fact, he probably I knows know you really well. You know what? I don't know my well. I, I don't know my genetic ancestry. Yeah, but I do know that my line is potentially Scandinavian, i.e., Viking s. Really, that doesn't surprise um, me. So apparently, roughly about a thousand years ago, Crossland settled. Believe it or not, where I live now. Um. And uh, they were Viking traders, farmers that came over and settled in the UK. Um, I believe the earliest recording of a crossland in the UK is around 990,000 AD. Wow. But I've never actually had my genes done. But I do believe that we, we do descend from 
I'm not sure if it's Danes or, or somewhere else in Scandinavia, but I do believe we, that we are descended from somewhere. Yet, strangely, my father's side, which is obviously where my name comes from, yeah, are tall but skinny. Okay. So my side, where my side comes from, is actually my mother's side, which is Pilling. And pilling. I don't know the I don't know the history of that. What's Pilling? What do you mean? That's that's my grandfather's last name. Oh, I got gotcha. you. I got gotcha. you. Um, but I don't know the history of that side of the family. But I do know that there is a, a lineage of, of a Viking settlement within Crossland. But it was spelled differently. Matt Blevins says, and here I thought that I was Dave's uh, stalker. <laughs> All right. What about this one from Prank? He says, uh, I know Dave doesn't like Tren, but what does Dave think is the lesser of two evils? Tren Ace right. or Tren E? I don't dislike Tren. Tren is an incredible product, but it is an incredibly harsh product. I dislike people's lack of respect for Tren. Yeah. I get down with that. I don't think there is a lesser of either. Um, most people will tolerate Trenace better than they do Trenanth. Uh, and for the simple thing that we said earlier about MPB versus Decker, it's the total plasma buildup of the drug that you're going to receive. Hmm. You know, people do 100 milligrams of Trenace every other day or three times a week. Uh, and that's sort of really going to have blood plasma levels equivalent of 200 milligrams of Trenanth. Which is, it's in, if you said you were on 200 megatren E, most people say, well, that's a very low dose. But if you said you were on 100 megatren A, they wouldn't say that's all, that's quite a medium dose. Hmm. Um, and that's the relativity of it. Um, so, trenase by nature tends to be lower in, in total concentration and therefore generally is tolerated better. But I, it's. Trend just, it's a drug that demands a lot of respect, and I don't feel people give it enough respect. And then when they end up with severe anxiety and paranoia and everything else that can come from Trend, yeah. it's a, oh, woe is me. And it's like, well, you've been taking it for four years, mate. What did you expect? You no, know, not continuously, but what did you expect? You know, eventually it was going to bite you on the ass. Robert says, um, people refer to Tren as divorce in a bottle, but I think my wife agreed to marry me because of Tren. And then he has a picture of an eggplant, so I think he means he's a good cook. Yeah, I think that's that's bakery or cooking related. Yeah, it has to be. Mm. I've never actually tasted eggplant. I was no. a genuine eggplant before you say anything sick and twisted. <laughs> you beat me to it. <laughs> Fucker. <laughs> the bull. Question. When I go off the rails and I overeat, I end up holding a bit of water the next two days. Uh, now, of course, the correct fix would be to not eat like an idiot. But what would? Uh, what about taking a Lasix the next no, day to no, help flush sodium no, and water no, retention? No, no, definitely not. Take two. They're small. <laughs> no. <laughs> it, it's it's it's. It's the same as, oh, shit, I've cheated like fuck, so I'm going to starve myself tomorrow. No, yeah. Just keep your water intake high. Get back on with it. It'll come off in its due time. Do not start fucking about with diuretics. Dude. Uh, particularly not for something as casual as that. 
if the fact that you're bothered about water retention for two days, then you've answered your own question. Don't eat like a dick. Um, mm. But you're obviously not that bothered about it, or you wouldn't <laughs> eat that way. In the right. same way why I've been fat for so long and continue to be fat is because I am not that bothered about losing weight in comparison to not fucking eating. Um, no, mate, seriously, that that's just a recipe for disaster. Diuretics are not drugs you want to take casually and definitely not drugs you want to be casually using yeah. um, because you've overeaten. Just ride it out a couple of days and it'll be sorted. Yeah. Yeah, I would agree with that. Plus, you start taking diuretics, and now let's say you do flush that water out. That water is coming out of the muscle too. You're great, you know. Good luck having some good workouts over the next following days. You know, I'd rather take that fluid and use it to my advantage. Get some incredible pumps in the gym. Uh, you know, while you've got it in. Yeah, keep your fluids high. Fire some electrolytes in. And just take advantage of the fluid being there. You know, and try and direct it where you want it, which is in the muscle. Hey, Nick Weary, competitor eaters with us when we were talking about, um, I think this related to the uh, immune system stuff. He mentioned the, the Reiki mushrooms. I, I haven't had any experience with mushrooms. Have you? I mean, not, you know, in a, in a sense of supplementation, that is. <laughs> Are you referring to the magic type of mushroom there, Scott? I might have ate a few before the show today, but that's a that's a different mushroom. It's a different conversation. I bloody hate mushrooms. I think they're vile things. Um, I thought Nick was going to be doing an eating challenge with us. He, we should. I wonder, could he do it in the morning? I wonder, because that's that's your afternoon. You know, we we couldn't do it like nine o'clock at night here because that would be, God knows what time. 10, 11, 12, 1, 2, 2 in the morning over there. Maybe if he could set it up for the morning time, you know, we could, we could well, still he, he was it. supposed to, He was supposed to try and attempt to eat the food I ate in a day in one meal, wasn't it? Yeah, like one hour, something like that. Mm. Yeah, that'd be fun. We could just have him here, the three of us, just like hanging out for an hour and uh, maybe check back in with him, watch how he's doing, and then let him eat while we talk about some other stuff, you know? Yeah, Does that cool. mean I have to spend an extra hour with you? Absolutely. You'll be lucky that I, week. Not I would good. rather watch Nick eat. Well, you can watch him eat, too, you know, but we got to still just, keep people no, entertained, you know. No, just just let's just watch Nick eat. That's going to be my, far more entertaining than listening to you. We could do, um, it could be like a telethon, you know what I mean? Hey, some, like, hang on a minute. There's that Japanese Boki where you, they sit there, you basically people, oh, last does this. She sits and watches videos of these little Japanese girls stuffing their faces with food. Baki? Yeah, I think it's Baki. Nick might know something about this. I bet he does. Huh. Yeah. I'm sure it's called Baki or something like that. Um, There'll be some intelligent individual that watches our show that will know what it is. We have intelligent individuals that watch our show? That's the point, yeah. Sorry, guys. We love you. We're kidding. Nick says, question for any show that knows the answer. Why are peptides supposed to be injected sub-Q and steroids intramuscular when peptides are water-based and hormones are oil-based? Fats are oils and muscle are hypophilic and 
fats are oils and muscles are hypophilic seems like they should be injected the other way around i think he's overthinking things i asked him about this and he said that when he does sub q shots he notices that a lot of the water ends up coming out of the injection site i've never had that have you no are you doing sub q sub sub q is supposed to be below the fat not into the fat i don't know but the oil um steroids are depot injections so the idea is that it goes into the muscle tissue creates a pot of oil that then seeps through the muscle into the bloodstream and is dispersed through the body yeah we do we you can do oil sub q that there is quite a lot of people that do trt sub q the limit with sub q is the volume you can't do high volume fluid sub q with oils they don't yeah. disperse yeah. The fat really slows dispersal down. Dispersal from a muscle is much better tolerated than oil and a fat is not, and it tends to sit. And if you're trying to put two, three mil in there, you will end up with problems. Um, so the muscle is just a much better delivery system for oils. Yeah, I would agree with that. And you know what, too, I've I mentioned to him is... I had always done all of my shots IM, including HCG, including growth hormone, including peptides. The only thing I would still do sub-Q would be insulin, but occasionally I would also use Humalin R intramuscular to get a faster peak. It behaves much more like Humalog if you inject it IM. Uh, obviously, mm -hmm. you need to be prepared you know, food-wise, carb-wise, blood sugar-wise for that. But realistically, you can do all of those things I am as well. Yeah. Got one, one more here. Time for one more. Good, because I need to pee. All right. Wow. Nice show, guys. I have a question. I'm a natty, trained for eight years with good genetics. Right. I look no, the same. Oh, because he's natty? No, answer it. Yeah. Dirty natty bastard. <laughs> he says, I look the same for the past three years and I lose a lot of muscle when cutting and I look on anorexic but on high body fat I look jacked so let's talk about your good genetics again hold on a second <laughs> just messing with you man I'm just messing with you Paul um, now I'm planning to hop on gear do you think a TRT dose will help me to keep muscle while cutting I might increase the dose the last few weeks of the cycle but I really want to Man, and then he goes into all caps, retain muscle and glycogen while cutting. Thank you, thank you guys, and greetings from Kuwait. Shout There's Kuwait. no denying that TRT would, or, or a, a, a high end of natural range, would help to retain muscle mass. But I can't help but think that there may be something wrong in the base of what you're doing because though some muscle loss is potentially inevitable being a natural in a diet, you usually only see that when you're getting super, super lean. Yeah. And, and most people, if they're actively training, will retain their muscle comfortably up to about 8 10% body fat with, without any real issues. And it's only when you start going sub those levels that you start to have muscle wasted issues or that your diet approach is, is way too extreme. Yes. Uh, and you're just quite literally starving yourself, um, which I know some people will prefer to go low food rather than high output because they dislike the output side of things. But 
you will retain more muscle by keeping the calories a little bit higher and increasing your output than you will by dropping your calories super, super low and starving the fat off. Um, but yeah, I'd, I'd, I'd be more interested to, I mean, it's not something for the show, but it, it's, has he considered getting a coach or somebody that may be able to just, even if it's just to oversee where he currently is from a point of view of training and diet, uh, you know, it doesn't need to necessarily be a long-term investment. I agree um, wholeheartedly. Uh, the the thing is, and I warn you now, young man, uh, you you may be an old man. I have no idea um, <laughs> that I could count on one hand the number of people that have told me, and I spoke to a lot of people that they're just going to do one cycle, ah, and have never managed to do so. Uh, when you start with the good old juice, it becomes. Uh, almost addictive very, very quickly. You have an experience um, where you're kind of like, wait, I've been doing it wrong this whole time. You say he's been training for eight, 10 years. So it'd be like, wait a minute, why didn't I start this eight or 10 years ago? Yeah, and I mean, you know, you never stop learning. There's, there's always things you can learn to improve your training and diet. I don't care how long you've been training. Yeah. Um, you know, you can always take something I mean, I, I know a competitor, I won't mention his name, who is, all right, not IFBB Pro, but is international level. He's been training 29 years, and he still works with different coaches every season to try and learn more and test theories and, and just, you know, see if he can add anything different to his already experience. So, you know, you never mm. stop learning. Um and it's always good to have a review because we all settle into habits that may not be productive for us that we sort of discount and don't really pay any credit. You know, I mean, it's like you diet and then you have a little nibble every day and that nibble becomes two, but you never actually register what you're doing and then you're not losing weight anymore. And it's like, well, why are I losing weight? Well, it's because you're eating an extra 400 calories a day that you're not actually comprehending. So we can get the same situation with training where we start to get a little bit slack. Things aren't quite, you know, we're, we're moving the same way, but forms deteriorated, engagements deteriorated, wherever it may be. So sometimes it is healthy just to have an overview and get a reset. But yeah, I mean, by all means, anabolics will help maintain muscle mass to answer your original question and get off my high horse with this. <laughs> um, and, uh, but like I warn you, it's the, if, uh, once tasted the forbidden fruit and all that yeah yeah i, I couldn't agree more with that and <clears throat> i'll say this that during a, a a diet a natural guy i i find that you know we know that that your test levels may start going down if you diet really hard you get to low body fat it's going to be really hard to naturally maintain a good strong test level um if you're on we have guys I, i'll run into a client who's on say 450 test and 400 mast. And he says, I'm getting worried that I might be losing muscle, you know, cause they're getting leaner. You're not going to lose muscle with that amount of gear, unless you're already super, super lean. And then you're trained to push harder. Your calories are already super, super low. And you're say seven per six percent. And now we're trying to get to 4% and you're already doing two hours of cardio and you're already on, you know, a bunch of T3 and clen and, you know, low calories. And now we're like, okay, we got to remove protein to get leaner or something like that. You know, you're at 4%. We're trying to get to three. That's where you risk issues of, of losing muscle. 
I I would really truly, and I'm not saying he shouldn't do the gear if he wants to. It would definitely help to retain, if not grow, through portions of his diet. Um, I think that there probably can be some adjustments that would improve his results. Then again, depends on what he's seeing. You know, we all have our own perception of what skinny, you know, an anorexic looks like. This guy could be a beast, and he's like, oh man, I look terrible. You know. Yeah, I know some monsters that yeah. will murder me. I'm small. It's like, you're fucking 20-odd stone. You know, you're 280, 300 pounds. How the fuck are you small, you right. prick? Right, exactly. And some quite well-known people that suffer with those insecurities as well. Um, there's several pro bodybuilders that, that actually struggle with stuff like that. Um, so, yeah, it's very, very common. For some of us, it's, of- it's a motivating factor. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, All right. I, I, the reason I pushed so long and so hard was because I never felt big enough. Yeah. Did you feel like you got there? Uh, no. No. In a sense. No, not muscularly, no. Uh, I don't think I could have done more mm. because of where I was with the effects of everything I'd done. Yeah. Uh, so I think I pushed it as far as I was capable of going at that point. But I do think I had potential for muscle mass if I'd approached it in a different way. Sure. Um, but I, I didn't. And as a result, the, I, what I got was what I got. But my kidney function, obviously, at that point was creating major limitations to doing anything else from the point of view of getting any bigger. Well, hopefully our listeners can learn from us so that they can take their physiques as far as possible. And, uh, you know, maybe we'll get a guy who surpasses 415 uh, and he keeps his kidneys in check. How about that? All right. Yeah. Let's get out of here. I know Dave has to run. Uh, guys, go to... Uh, you. Yes. Well, I was trying to be polite, you know, not talk about your bathroom stuff on the show. Why, why, why would you try and be polite? You're never polite. <laughs> yes. Okay. Uh, but if, if you guys want to reach out, speaking of coaching, you could reach out to either of us. Go hit up Dave on social media. I'll have links to his social media below. You can reach out to me, McNallyDiets at gmail.com. Either of us would be happy to talk to you guys about coaching. And, of course, go to evalbloodanalysis.com. Get your lab work done by Dave if you're in the U.K. at Strom Sports Nutrition. Great health supplements if you're in the U.K., of course, uh, truenutrition.com for all of our people here in the U.S. We've got some uh, awesome supplements there. Hit me up if you have any questions. Use our code THINK. Get some savings. Support the show. Thank you to everybody from Patreon. Of course, supplementsource.ca in Canada. And uh, yeah, that's all we got. For another episode of Drugs and Stuff with Dave Crossland, we'll see you soon. Comment with questions for the next show. See you guys. Bye.